0: We're here to shine a light on the forgotten generation. This is the Modern Gen X Woman Podcast, and I'm Jackie Gadeen. And I'm Amy Bishop. We're business and career coaches who work with women like you.
1: And we are pissed. You should be too. Because we have not been seen
0: or heard, and that changes now. Listen up, because we're going to share with you insights and ideas to make these years our best years. F you, midlife.
1: Imagine being a mom of three young kids waking up with a sore throat and stopping by urgent care to make sure it's not strep. Instead of being told, yep, it's strep, you're raced to the ER because you don't have a cold or even a virus. You have cancer and your organs are shutting down. This is exactly what happened to our special and brave guest, Catherine Dittmer. At first, there's denial and annoyance, then lots of anger. In this episode, Catherine generously shares her story and how she coped. By sharing her journey, Catherine is on a mission to help others who may be faced with a terrifying diagnosis. Catherine is a leukemia survivor from Iowa, where she lives with her husband and three daughters. She sits on several nonprofit boards and is very active in philanthropic leadership, including the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Gildas Club, Junior Achievement, Better money habits, etc. She is a certified financial planner professional with Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, where her women focused team designs financial plans based on the priorities and values of the woman. Catherine loves to read and spends much of her time with a book by her side.
0: Hey, Jackie. Hey, Mimi. And hello to all of our listeners. We have an incredible episode in store for you. This is, this actually was a recommendation. I want to start there. It was a yes. recommendation from.
1: So Daphne, yes. one of our listeners requested this episode. Yes. And so she said, you know, can you speak to someone who has received a tough diagnosis, like out of the blue? And I thought, oh my God, what a great. Topic Because this happens. It happens all the time, unfortunately. So we actually do a little research to find our guest. And it is so worth it because that research was so worth it because our guest just shares an incredible, personal, difficult, and yet very uplifting and inspiring journey
0: that I truly believe will touch many people who may be Mm -hmm. facing this. I'm so glad we did this episode because for lots of reasons. One is I was faced, not myself yes. personally, but, but my husband faced. was faced with a very scary diagnosis at 30 when he was told that he had lymphoma. So very similar. My very good friend, Wanda, was diagnosed out of the blue with leukemia cup- you know a few years ago right before i remember before when that COVID. happened right yeah. so so this is a very it hits home for you it really hits home for me and i want to i do want to say though i'm disappointed because i had to personally bow out of this interview we've this is the first time ever that we haven't co-hosted something either an interview or an episode together but unfortunately i was dealing with a lot of personal stuff that day mimi was here and All of a sudden, it just snowballed and snowballed, and I needed to take care of the personal stuff. And it actually reminded me that it is a perfect introduction to this this episode. While that's a diagnosis, and this is not a diagnosis, there is always stuff that just throws some kind of wrench in your plans. And it makes you anxious and it makes you upset and it makes you angry and all of these emotions, but we do need to be able to ad- adapt to that. And so that's part of what we learn to do. And, and it's that strength to not let it overtake us, yeah. no matter how small or no matter how big like Catherine's is. Yes. So while I missed the conversation, I got to listen to the conversation and it's incredible. With, it's a, incredible. with a few... Well, so just (laughs) adding on that, sometimes you just have to push through and focus. So it was
1: just, it was a crazy day. Jackie wasn't able to be on it, which was kind of like a last-minute thing. Then the microphone stopped working in the middle of it. Uh, Jackie's dogs came in in the middle of it. So there's a lot going on. So I'm going to thank you in advance for your grace, just to kind of overlook the technical aspects because (laughs) it's really an important message and. I think no matter even what you're facing, right, like it may just be a difficult time that you're going through, I think you're going to be incredibly inspired by Catherine and her resilience, her bravery, and her gratitude and giving back also. That's really what I got out of this, how she really remained positive and focused during a time where it would be very easy to crumble. And so I just really want to thank Catherine for – For sharing her story, for being so vulnerable, and also just being willing to take what you know is probably one of the most difficult points in her life, and sharing it with others to help them get through in case they are facing something similar.
0: Yes, I I think it's important, especially as we get to this age. You know, we're in midlife, and I, I was talking about this with my family this past weekend. We had a party, and I was saying it's really hard. My mom is struggling with her health. My uncle is struggling. My aunt is struggling, right? So, so everyone right. everyone in that age group is struggling. And I get that. But what what worries me, or what was the, I think the light that, that hit me really hard this past weekend was my one cousin has not been feeling great. And he's in his 50s. He's not mm-hmm. old. He's not been feeling great. And they can't figure it out. And this is my peer, right? It's kind of, it's, it's exactly what happened with, with my friend Wanda. It's when your peers start having these things like Catherine and, and this is not, this is not our parents anymore, our grandparents anymore. And so these things will happen more often and having someone to listen to who's gone through something I think helps because we feel so alone when we go through these things. I remember when Scott was diagnosed, I was still working in Manhattan so we really missed no work. Um, we would go to his treatment first thing in the morning at like six AM wow. and then we'd both go to work. We just were committed to He try went back to-, to work after a treatment. Oh yeah. Not his not his hospital stay treatment, not okay. the five days, but when he would do a treatment, a weekly treatment, he'd go straight to work. And so he didn't start really feeling sick to- till towards the end. So we got he got very lucky, but we both knew that if we can kind of keep some sort of Routine, it yeah, was it's better, so important. But I remember going through the uh, the train station, Penn Station in New York City, and seeing everybody passing me by, and I recognized that I was saying, you have no idea how lucky you are. Right. Like, I'm, you know, I'm here. You have no idea that I am running to, uh, running home so I could take care of my husband who has cancer. You have no idea that, like, yeah. it was just this, It's and it felt very alone. Sure. And even your closest friends, and, and if you've ever gone through a diagnosis, your closest friends and family, not everyone knows how to handle it. Right. So not everyone handles it the way that you would hope that they would, and it could feel very isolating or disappointing. Yes. And that's also, so there are so So many many layers layers to that. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. And And thank you for sharing that too, because
1: I know that this episode hits home for you. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people listening to it have faced it, are facing it, or unfortunately will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this can be something to go back to as well. Right. So so just a trigger warning, because this is very emotional. Yes. There's a lot going on here. So I'm glad you mentioned well, that. So please, you know, recognize that before you you head in. So without further ado, welcome mm-hmm. Catherine. Catherine, thank you so much for coming
1: on to the Modern Gen X Woman podcast. We so appreciate you being here and sharing your story. Which I know is really going to hit home for so many of our listeners. So, thank you again for, for coming on, for connecting with me, and really being so open and, and sharing what you went through and inspiring the women listening to this.
2: Well, you're absolutely welcome. And thank you for having me on here. I, you know, we'll get into my story, but I really feel like with the second chance of life, I just need to connect with the women and help spread the lessons that I learned along the way and you know, hopefully inspire other people.
1: You are a gift. Thank you so much. So um, your diagnosis, so tell everyone a little bit about your diagnosis. This is wild, this story that you shared with me. It sounded like it was just kind of a random day, a busy random day for a working mom. And The day started in one way and it ended in another way that was like just you could have never imagined.
2: Absolutely. So this is the quintessential, you know, moral of things can change at any moment. Yeah. So I uh, with a working mom. We were right at the start of COVID. And so I was working from home with my husband and um, we have three daughters together. And so we were really living, you know, we were in the trenches. Just like so many women were at that time. And at the time, my youngest was only a year and a half old. Oh my God. So I was really dealing with, you know, balancing work and motherhood. And uh, I started, I was a Friday um, in May of 2020, and I started developing sort of a tickle in my throat. And we, uh, you know, I was like, oh my goodness. I'm probably getting strep throat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I spent the weekend trying to tough it out, as most women do. And I was just not able to really eat anything or drink anything because my throat was hurting so bad. And so Monday morning rolls around and I call my general practitioner, say, I think I have strep throat. like, well, you can't come in because of COVID right now. You're not COVID tested. And so you can't come into my office, but go to the emergency room and they'll give you some fluids and they'll probably take a strep test, send you home with some antibiotics. I said, okay, great. That sounds like a great plan. I will schedule it for 10 a.m. Because, you know, as women, we live and die by our schedules, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, And so at 10... Um, At my allotted time, I went into the emergency room, and luckily, they were able to get me in right away. Uh, They started giving me some fluids, and for whatever divine intervention, they decided to take my blood. Uh, There was really no rhyme or reason for why to, but they did, and about 45 minutes later, I had five physicians come into my room, my ER room. And they all look at me, you know, in a very somber way. And they say, we're really sorry to have to tell you this, but your blood panel came back and we've tested it multiple times. And we strongly believe that you have blood cancer. Oh, my God. So,
1: (laughs) in that moment, first of all, a couple of things that like strike me. Number one, it's like you are going to power through. And you were like, oh, this has just got to be a tickle in my throat. Like, can't be a big deal. The second thing is, I wonder, like you said, there was divine intervention that they did your blood work. But I also wonder, had you had the COVID circumstances not been there and you just went to your regular doctor, could this whole thing have been missed in the first place? And then also, like, what was your thought when you see all these doctors come in?
2: Like, well, and just to your point, had this not happened, had I just gone to my regular doctor, uh, my life would have turned out very different because the type of cancer that I was um, diagnosed with after some testing was called acute myeloid leukemia, okay. which is a, a extremely rare cancer for someone of my age mm-hmm. and also an extremely aggressive and fast moving type of cancer. So, from the point of that first cell mutation to death is a matter of weeks. And I, you know, I see all these doctors come in and they say, you have blood cancer. And of course my immediate reaction is, you people are crazy. I'm here yeah. some antibiotics. <laughs> and they said, no, like we, we need to get you in the ICU. We need you to get you stabilized right now because you're in multi-system organ failure. Your lungs are failing, your liver's failing, your heart is failing. And I did what you know any logical person would do. And I checked myself out of the ER. I'm like, these people are crazy. I don't have time for this. I need to go home. I need to see my family. Yeah. Did you
1: call anyone? Like who was the first person you called? Like, did you at that point did you did yeah, did you call anyone and be like, I have to talk to someone or
2: no, not really. I was—I got stuff to do today. I have an appointment later in the afternoon. <laughs> On my way out, one of the female ER doctors pulled me aside. And she said, I'm a mom. I get it. You want to go home. You want to see your kids. This is very unexpected. But I'm going to have an ICU bed reserved for you. Please come back today. <sighs> And I was like, sure, sure, sure. And she was like, just know that when you put your kids to bed tonight, most likely you're going to pass away in your sleep.
0: Oh,
1: my God. what? And so, first of all, I feel like her bedside manner was so good because she knew what she was probably dealing with in that there's denial and I'm busy and, you know, this came out of the blue. But I feel like she related to you as a mom. Right. And she was like, my mom, you know, I I know you want to be with your kids. This is normal, but you got to come back, you know. So what at then what like was that how did that shift what you were thinking in that point?
2: Well, I I checked out still and I went home and I talked to my husband about it. And I was like, You won't believe what these crazy doctors had to say today. And my husband um, of five years, he knows me so well. He knows how stubborn I am. (laughs) And he said, well, Catherine, just go back. You can prove them wrong. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to prove them wrong. So smart. And so I had dinner with my family and I put my daughter to bed, and uh, my youngest daughter. And I went back to the hospital the one that I was instructed to go back to and I showed up and I'm probably I'm the only person that's ever arrived in reception and been like, hi, I'm here from uh, I see you bed. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, oh. So they, they checked me in and they started running a bunch of tests. They immediately put me on oxygen and put me on stuff to help stabilize my heart. And uh, lo and behold, The medical professionals were right. So at that point, like,
1: are you starting to wrap your mind around what happened?
2: So it was really sort of a landslide of things because we're Mm -hmm. in the middle of COVID, right? So it started with, you know, you have blood cancer. Okay, you're going to be in the hospital for a couple of days while we test and determine what specific type of blood cancer you have. Um, Oh, by the way, you can't have any friends or family. You can't have contact with anybody because we're in the middle of COVID. And then roller rollercoastered to, we have a firm diagnosis of AML. You need to start seven days of chemo immediately. You're wow. going to be in the hospital for at least 40 days in isolation. And we're sending you to the University of Iowa. And so within, matter, so within a matter of 24 hours, I went from expecting to spend one night in the hospital to prove these doctors wrong to I'm going to be in the hospital for at least a month. I'm facing a diagnosis with a pretty poor outcome. And I'm not allowed to like tell my family face to face or like give my 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 kids like hugs and kisses. Like we we gotta go now and there's yeah. no time to waste.
1: So it was like almost you had no choice at this point but to wrap your mind around this quickly. Mm-hmm. How given like this is such a curveball that was thrown thrown to you. Such an unfair curveball. How did you trust you were making the right decisions with such little time to make any choices or do research or anything like that? Like how did you kind of deal with that part of it?
2: So I want to preface this because as women, we always try to strive to make the right decision and do the right thing with it. We just have to come to accept that yeah. ultimately we never know if the decisions that we're making are the right decisions. We only know that in hindsight. And so we have to have grace with ourselves that if the decision that we make is wrong, well, we did the best that we ha- did, that we could do at the time. Right. And so I really had very little decisions to make in the first week or so. If the doctor said you either do this or you're most likely going to pass away. And so I just did what the doctors told me. Right. I did. Yeah.
1: You and just had to believe and trust.
2: Yes. And I, I, what I really came to terms with was the fact that life is completely uncontrollable. Change mm-hmm. is just a fact of life. And, you know, We spend so much time worrying about things that we ultimately can't control. Yeah. So let's worry about the things that we can control. Yes. And the first thing that I determined that I could control in the situation was that I made the choice to live and Mm -hmm. do whatever had to be done in order to do that. So even if it was hard and even if I was scared and frankly traumatized. I need to go into battle and I need to put my head down and get through this because my first choice and the choice that I could control in this was my choice to live.
1: I am writing that down in capital letters because so often there's so much to unpack here, right? Like there's so much, like you said, we don't have control over and we kind of laugh. Like when you go through a circumstance like this, you kind of laugh and you're like, yeah, like I really thought like I really had the ability to you know when you think about i think of myself as someone who is such a planned person right i'm always planning and then something like this happens and you kind of you kind of laugh because you're like yeah i really like i was spent all this time and energy planning for something and then i get thrown this kind of curveball and yet you said something that's so powerful is that i had a choice to make i decided to live and i think that I want everyone listening here like this is so critical. You have a choice no matter what you're what you're given. I remember when my sister passed away. I don't know if I shared this with you, Catherine, when we had chatted the first time. I lost my sister in um, 1998. So it's a long time ago now. She died of a brain aneurysm when she was really young. And I remember two things that I took away from that were that the things I used to get so worked up over, the stupidest things, like someone cut me off in traffic or I couldn't find a parking space, like that stuff is so irrelevant that it doesn't even phase me anymore. Like I see people getting crazy about the stupidest things. I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for that. And the other thing is that I remember after going through it, I I was like, I have a choice to stay down and let this impact my life, and be miserable, and mad, and feel sorry for myself, or I have the choice to get back up, and show other people that you can keep going, you know, and that's, that's what got me through those really dark days in the beginning, was that I knew that I had a choice to do something, and it sounds like you really felt the same way, like you had a, you made a choice that I'm going to live.
2: And at the time, I didn't know if I was going to live. I just knew that I was going to do everything in my power to do it. To try. Yeah. Because, again, that's something that we don't have complete control over. Right. Ultimately, what we do have control over is our reactions to the situation yes. that we put in front of us.
1: Exactly. And I think also that does give us a sense of agency, right? Like I think so often we think, well, I don't have any, I don't have any control over the way I feel. It's just the way I feel, you know, and I think that feelings are very valid in that they come up and they're, you know, If you said that you got this diagnosis and you're like, ah, it's no big deal. I'm going to take it on. I'd be like, no, we got to unpack some things here, right? Like these things are heavy and they're difficult. And yet after we have spent enough time with processing what we have to process, we can decide to react differently. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's refreshing in some way. It's like, I don't have to always feel this way. I'm not saying it's easy. But, you know, knowing that you have agency over the way you choose to respond, I would imagine had to have helped a little bit.
2: Yes, I am very much a type A sort of person. I am an extreme planner. I actually, my job is I'm a financial planner. So that is what I do for <laughs> a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I plan for longevity. I help people live out to their 100, you know? Yeah. So, but I, when I... I want to be completely frank with, with all the ladies that are listening. Like, that wasn't some, you know, doves flying away perfect moment. I was, the first couple of days, I was pissed. Yeah. I was yelling. I was crying. I'm pretty sure I threw something on a wall. Like, <laughs> I was, not, you mean, yeah. You know, I was not in a great place mentally. And then after sitting there and being, Having a conversation with the uncomfortable parts of the situation, that is when I came to realize this is the only choice that I have. Right. And once I embraced that, then I started looking at what other small things do I have control over? And so the first thing that I did, it was two days after I had started chemo, is I decided that I wanted to choose how I lost my hair. And so I used to have. You know, almost waist length, beautiful auburn red hair. Oh, and I decided that I wanted my hair to go to Lots of Love, and so I cut my own hair off. And it ended up being um we could do th- they could make three wigs out of my hair, and so I donated that away to Lots of Love. They asked if I wanted a custom made wig for my own hair, and I said no, thank you. And then when my hair was short, you know, butch cut, I decided that I wanted to just go full in and I buzzed buzzed my head. Wow. And I I recorded it. I was by myself, um, besides my RN, my nurse that was with me, um, because I wasn't allowed to have friends or family. So I wanted them to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. So I recorded myself, cutting my own hair and buzzing my own hair off. And then I put music in the background and I made it a music video. And that's how I announced to everyone, including my friends and family that I had cancer.
1: Oh my God. What was the react? That is talk about taking, taking control of a situation and blazing through with empowerment. You know, I mean, what was the response?
2: It was an outflowing of, you know, people contacting me and, saying that their hearts are with me and how empowering it was and that, you know, connecting me with other people that um, were either going for cancer diagnosis or were cancer survivors. And don't get me wrong, the loss of my hair was hard, yeah. but it would have been much harder had I not made the choice of this is how my hair is going to go. Mm-hmm. We're going to make a celebration out of it. And mm-hmm. it's going to go to something good.
1: Amazing. Again, you know, it just reminds me similar, but different when my sister passed away, you know, we decided to donate her organs and it was such, we were, it, I'm not gonna say it was a bright spot, but again, it was like that same thing of making a choice to do something positive. And we're like, this is the way, like, we're going to honor my sister by letting, you know, by helping others. And it helped us tremendously. And I'll never forget we got a letter from the boy that received her kidney or man that received her kidney and him just sharing, you know, what a gift it was. And it just really validated that we did the right thing. I, I really admire your, 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 your courage, of course, but also your wanting to help others so immediately after this happened, like you got this diagnosis and you're like, all right, how can I help others? That is really, it just shows what a gem you are and what a gift you are to this girl. So I'm curious also, like as a mom of three young girls, how did you mobilize? You know, I mean, you're in the hospital, you can't have any contact, you've got a business, you're very successful. What did you do to get things in order
2: so first of all shout out to my husband sean he is Mm -hmm. he is the angel that guided me through this entire thing he went above and beyond what i ever could have asked um but as a mom my first and foremost concern was for my children yeah Uh, and primarily the fact that i suddenly disappeared one day and i wasn't going to be back for a long time yeah and how do you explain that to an 18 month old and so, luckily, uh, I have a, a cousin of mine named Jacqueline that I'm very close with. And she propose, She has a Ph.D. in early childhood development. And she proposed, let's write a book uh, because children learn through stories. Yeah. And so, she did all of the legwork and she wrote a book for um, for my youngest daughter that talked about how mommy was sick but mommy was going to go to the hospital with some superhero doctors and they were going to help me. And mommy's probably going to look different afterwards, but that's okay. Yeah. And, um, that even though I'm not there, I'm always thinking about her and I always love her. And so that was, that was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders of just, how do I explain Yeah, weight.
1: that must've, I can imagine. I can't, yeah, that's gotta be, I would imagine that that is one of the first thing that goes through your mind, Mm you
2: know, is what's going to happen to my kids. Yeah. Not even what's going to happen to me. What's going to happen to me? Yeah. And so I, um, you know, we we had that story created for her. My husband went to being a single dad and running the household by himself. And he did a really great job at that. He really did not lean on me to coordinate anything. He immediately stepped up to the plate, and then my sister-in-law Stacy came down and um, actually bought an RV and lived on our property for a couple of months. Whenever I was going through treatment and chemo, and I had to be away for an extended period of time, she would come and help out.
0: That's and amazing. So
2: my my family really. Um, you know, corralled around us and helped us. Uh, but I, I also know that as women, we tend to think that we have to do it all. or Yes. It all. Yes. When you're in a space like that, like have the grace with yourself that you don't know what needs to go on. Let go of that control. Yes. No. And have enough confidence in the people around you that they will do it. It might not be the exact same way that you would do it, but it'll get done and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And if you're someone listening that has someone in your life, a friend, a family member, a coworker who had who is going through something like this, it's great to be like, "Hey, I'll help you however you need, but that person most likely is feeling so overwhelmed, and their brain is like, "Great, but I don't know what you can help me with." So instead, try to give them something solid. Can I buy you two- Can I buy you dinner on Tuesday night? Can I you yeah. your dishes? Do you need me to go to the grocery store for anything for you? Give them something, an actual thing that you're offering. If they don't need it, they'll tell you that. Yeah. Most likely, they'll be
1: like, oh, my God, thank you. I definitely need someone to do my dishes. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad you shared that because so often we feel helpless when we see somebody going through something so difficult. And like you said, our first inclination is to say, how can I help? But not being able. But like you said, that person is so overwhelmed and it can be as simple as coming over and washing someone's dishes. You know, I mean, people that is
2: we're taking their kids to school. Right. They don't have to like get dressed and take them anywhere. Yeah. Simple, small things like that go a long, long way. And someone who's going through that doesn't necessarily think to ask for those things.
1: Absolutely. And they're just the date, like the easiest things that people can do. I also loved what you said about having like the grace to let go of things and, Trust that other, like, I think sometimes, you know, you're making me think, but like, I think sometimes we, we think that we're the only ones that can do it, right? And there are lots of smart people around us, you you know, trust that they can wash the dishes, like, you know, or bring your kids to school or whatever it is, like people around us can help and they can do the job just as well. Right, and just to be able to let go of that is tremendous. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, Catherine, how has your life changed now? Like, I'm sure this is one of those moments in your life that's before and after, right? Mm-hmm. And how has your life changed now?
2: So, in in preparation for our conversation, I actually I pulled out the journal that I kept during oh, the entire. Wow. um, and it was amazing to go back through this and read. I, I actually have not read this. Wow. Since I since I went through it, since I wrote it. And so two years later now, I'm looking and I'm like, oh, these are things that I completely have forgotten about. Yeah. It's so amazing to see how your thought process goes, like how how you can track how I got from point A to point B. Yes. And it was just amazing to go through. I was reading it out loud with my husband last night. Uh, but I I highly encourage everybody that's going through this to keep some sort of journal. Yes. And I I specifically found a passage in there where I talked about uh could this be a pivot point for my life? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm reevaluating things and things that were so important to me before career achievement and You know, material wealth, those are just not as important anymore. And I wrote about this in my journal all the way back when I was going through my bone marrow transplant that I feel like I've aged mentally. I have the clarity of what is important in life. Yes. What are just silly things? And then I also have the ability to laser focus down on what what is important and how to achieve those actual important things yeah and so when I was thinking about okay what are what are some tangible things that have actually changed um there there's some that are you know kind of big picture of I don't care what other people think as much anymore um if my nail polish is chipped oh well no one's gonna <laughs> die, you know exactly uh, but another thing is I used to hoard like lotions and bath bombs, like all of these luxury things. I used to hoard them like a dragon, like yeah. you know, saving them for some special. special. Time. Yeah. Um, where future me deserves it. And I came to realize, well, present me deserves it too. Yes. I
1: am so <laughs> glad you said that. I love that. That is so important, right? Like. We deserve that. Why are we waiting for?
2: Right, use the bath bomb. <laughs> yeah,
1: use the bath bomb. <laughs> exactly, use the bath bomb. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you were to say if you were to give someone who is going through this, what would you what would you tell them? Would that be one of the top things?
2: Mm-hmm. Or yes. just
1: everyone The message for everyone, use the bath bomb.
2: Use the bath bomb, that's for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say that if you're going through a scenario, that you have to realize that in every scenario, you have the choice of how to react and how to adapt. Yes. Um, So you, you need to have grace with yourself. But eventually, you do need to own your decisions on how you react to things. Mm -hmm. And How you adapt to things and that that will empower you to continue to move forward because you realize that you do have some semblance of control, even though the world is uncontrollable,
1: even though the world is uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. That is amazing. Catherine, I know that since this has happened, like your mission is really to help as many other women as possible. Is there, are there any charities that you support? I'm just curious. Or or, or are there any places that you know you would like to bring to, to top of mind for people to check out so that you know we can help support?
2: So one of the very important things to me is actually called the Be the Match Registry, which mm-hmm. um, allows you to opt in to be a Bone Marrow or stem cell donor. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this is so important is because my particular type of cancer is terminal unless you have a stem cell transplant. Okay. I was blessed enough to have three matches, um, but they were global. They were not in the United States. Um, My donor, I actually have a very great relationship with now. Shout out Christoph in Germany. Oh, wow. Um, but he he provided his stem cells to me, um, and that is ultimately what stopped my cancer from killing me. Yeah. And so it's so important that you just opt in mm-hmm. on the registry in hopes that someday someone might match with you. It's not invasive at all to donate, and you really could save someone's life.
1: I mean, you were living proof of this. This is a mother. So everyone listening. So first of all, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Everyone listening, you can save someone's life and the mother of three young girls. Mm -hmm. Right? Like just by doing this simple thing.
2: And it really came full circle because my, you know, I, I wrote extensively when I was going through my transplant about. How gracious I was for the gift of life that my donor had given me. Yeah, and when I got to know him better, he let me know that the reason that he decided to become a donor was because he lost um, he lost someone very close to him when he was a child from the same cancer that I had.
1: Wow, I just got chills. That's incredible. So, and just think about the impact. You know, sometimes. Sometimes really hard things happen, right? Like I'm sure that was such a devastating moment in his life. But you think of it like the chain of events that inspired him to become a donor and he saved your life, mm-hmm. you know, because of this event. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. I will be sure to, to put anyone, the link.
2: Anyone yeah. that's listening, you know, this could be that event that inspires you to add your name to the registry and you could be someone
1: else's superhero someday. Yeah, right? Like I'm definitely going to do this as soon as we hang up, I'm going to register. You know, we go through our lives thinking that we can't make an impact and such a simple thing could ultimately change someone's life and be someone's superhero. And not just for you, I mean, your entire family, right?
2: And mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll have ripple effects. Yes. Family for, I mean, possibly generations. generations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are there any other resources that you would recommend or just?
2: So, if you are going through a cancer journey,
0: mm-hmm.
2: definitely look up your local chapter of Fieldist Club, which okay. is a nonprofit that helps cancer. uh, People diagnosed with cancer and their families navigate the journey. It is a hundred percent free, and it is you know absolutely a great resource to mention.
1: I will, you know, it's. I remember very distinctly the day Gilda Radner passed away. So Gilda Radner, I'm sure most of the listeners know who she was, but she was a an SNL um, alumni and just you know a really funny woman and. I remember I was in college and it came over the news. We were, I went to art school. So we were like in a studio. It was a Saturday. It was a studio class. It was in the spring and a couple of us were working on a project and it came over the radio that she passed. We just all got quiet. You know, we really felt so badly about it. But I know that Gilda's Club has helped so many people. So I will be sure to put that that in the show notes as well as a resource. Yeah. So, Catherine, thank you so very, very much for sharing this story with us. I know we had gotten um, this by request, this topic by request. And I know that there are lots of people listening that are either facing this or, God forbid, will be facing this. And I just want to tell you how much I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the story with many other women um, you are really a gift. You really are.
2: Well, thank you. I really hope that people can take the lessons that I've learned and help them get through difficult times as well. Uh, the way that my husband and I look at it is that you know I paid the price to learn something, yeah. And I would really love you to ha- to take those lessons without having to go through it, what I did. Um, yes. But use that to better yourself and to better the people around you.
1: Yes, without a doubt. Thank you so very much for being on the podcast. We appreciate you. And continued good health and blessings to you.
0: Thank you. Modern Gen X Women is the podcast created with you in mind. If you're inspired by this episode, please leave us a review. It's so important. Look, we know it's not easy for you to stop and go over and leave a review but it is so appreciated by Mimi and myself, and it really helps other amazing Gen X women like you find us, so that they too can become the modern Gen X woman.